It's Muppeturgy with a very special holiday episode about John Denver and the Muppets at Christmas together. Yippee ki yay, motherfuckers. <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> Gotta get out of the way now. Just couldn't wait. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. Surprise, we have a special holiday bonus episode, which if you've been listening to us since the beginning, you probably expected. Uh, and if you're not, well, welcome. This is a thing we sometimes do. And by sometimes, I mean every year so far. Uh, I'm David Levy. Here today with me are... Christy Bauer. Michal Richardson. And Adam Grossworth. Here is a Muppet News flash. This week, to celebrate the winter solstice, we are talking about the special John Denver and the Muppets A Christmas Together. If you are watching along, uh, this is not streaming officially anywhere, and I learned moments ago, has never been released on home video in any format, which I find shocking. If you want to watch it in a, a very official legal way, uh, they do have it in the Paley Center archives if you're in New York. Yes. Oh. And it is on YouTube, uh, less legally and uh, in much lower quality. Uh, but you, I mean, if you're watching along or if you want to wait and see what we thought, you can watch it on YouTube or not. Um, I do want to give a special thanks to our friend Johannes of toughbigs.com for sharing a much cleaner copy with us. So the clips we will play you today will not sound like the YouTube version. Uh, unlike our previous special episodes, this one fits into our season uh, quite nicely, which is part of why we're doing it. This Christmas special was produced, uh, according to Muppet Wiki, November 8th through 16th, 1979 in Los Angeles, not in London like the Muppet Show. The uh, accompanying album, which does have... Uh, some different tracks, both ones that are not in the special and is missing some that are on the special, came out on uh, in October of 1979 on RCA Records. The original album, which you can still get in multiple formats, by the way, unlike uh, the video version, reached number 26 on Billboard's top LPs and tapes chart in early 1980 and was certified platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. The special aired uh, in primetime on network television on Wednesday, December 5th, 1979. That was two days after the Phyllis George episode and a few weeks before the Crystal Gale episode, which aired on New Year's Eve. And weirdly, it was on ABC, even though the Muppets had their like affiliation with CBS. But I wonder if that's because John Denver, maybe all of his specials were on ABC. Right. This is like I mean, a John the, Denver special featuring the Muppets and not vice versa. And it was like CBS affiliates, but it was technically syndicated and all of that. But yeah, as, as we'll discuss, this is very much positioned as a John Denver special on which the Muppets are his guests. In the news, uh, Wednesday newspapers are a lot longer uh, than Monday newspapers, it turns out, but I will be as brief as possible. Um, we have our usual, the oil crisis, uh, the Iran hostages still going on. Jimmy Carter declares candidacy for a second term, quote, without fanfare, unquote. I feel like that's how Jimmy Carter did everything. Uh, there were multiple deaths at a The Who concert in Cincinnati. Just a couple of fun headlines. Farmer shunned by Mennonites is acquitted of wife's, wife's abduction. I mean, that doesn't sound fun, but like I, the headline made me giggle. And Cheese Company studied for organized crime tie. The Utica Cheese Company, and I believe it was Canadian organized crime. I, I only skimmed. Orida, yes, the potato company, is using geothermal energy in their production, the first non-energy company to do so. Um, and on the TV page, there is a headline, uh, Equity, that's Actors' Equity Association, moves to save three Broadway theaters. Spoiler, they failed. Was it the ones that uh, became the Marriott Marquis? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and it was not just equity. There was a whole campaign to save yeah. these theaters, but it did not happen. A bunch of really fun ads, uh, several, because uh, of course this is the Christmas season, several for B. Altman, the department store, which apparently had the tagline, it's always a pleasure, oddly relevant to this special. 
Um, and there was one with the headline, push button pleasures, gifts that make the 80s easy. And actually, these were mostly kitchen things like blenders and food processors that haven't really changed very much, which I also kind of enjoyed. Like, I think you can buy the identical food processor for Cuisinart right now if you wanted to. Uh, and then one for clothing, particular pleasures for particular men, which phrasing. There's a really defensive Exxon ad. I think we talked about this before in a different context um, where people were mad at them because they were still doing quite well while the price of oil went up and people were struggling. And so they had this like really bonkers ad that's, you know, that's like, well, we're making money, but this is what we're spending it on. And it's not, it's not because of the oil thing. It's, you know, it's very oof. The right stuff is uh, very big in books at this moment. <laughs> There's an ad for Dial a Santa. Every day, Santa or Mrs. Claus tells your children wonderful stories. Sure. And an ad for Poland Spring, the water of presidents. <laughs> what it means to be from Maine is to drink like a president. Yeah. In theater, also a much uh, bigger theater section uh, on a Wednesday than on a Monday. Uh, Richard Gere is starring in Bent. The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas is on Broadway, which I feel like should have come up before, but I don't remember. Coming Up Town, a new musical starring Gregory Hines. Uh, first preview for a revival of Oklahoma at the Palace. Sandy Duncan is in Peter Pan, which we've definitely discussed before, but I did not know until I saw this ad. And remember, I saw this show. It was the first Broadway show I ever saw. Christopher Hewitt was her Captain Hook, Mr. Belvedere himself. Amazing. Amazing. The 1940s Radio Hour, uh, Mickey Rooney and Ann Miller are in Sugar Babies. And there's a bunch of off-Broadway ads which we definitely don't get on a Monday. Something called Scrambled Feet, King of Schnorrers, a madcap musical. Harvey Firestein's Fugue in a Nursery, which would later become part of Torch Song Trilogy, and our friend Woody Guthrie at the Cherry Lane. On the Cashbox Pop Charts, Babe by Styx, and uh, the number one album is The Long Run by The Eagles. And on TV, in primetime, CBS had Young Maverick, A Fistful of Oats. This was uh, season one, episode two of a series that ran nine episodes, and I do not feel needs any explanation. A TV movie called Aunt Mary, based on the life of Mary Dobkin, a Baltimore woman who ignored severe personal handicaps and went on to coach more than 40,000 children in Sandlot baseball. All at the same time. All at the same time. <laughs> wow. Starring. That's a lot of adversity to overcome. Starring for Armand Show uh, guest star Gene Stapleton in the titular role. On ABC, John Denver and the Muppets, A Christmas Together. Heard of it. Charlie's Angels, Angel Hunt. The angels are lured to an island where they are at the mercy of a madman. I feel like that's like half the episodes of Charlie's Angels. They're bad detectives. They use their real names. <laughs> right? Uh, and then the Barbara Walters special. Barbara interviews Suzanne Summers, Stevie Wonder, and Sylvester Stallone. They're opening a restaurant together. <laughs> Sorry, I'm punchy today. That's good. This is a good place to be. I'm just tempted to do the rest of the episode in my Gene Stapleton voice. <laughs> but I'm not gonna... NBC had real people uh, reports on a woman who delivers messages on roller skates, a monkey that guards a pig pen, and a hobo's convention are featured. Different strokes, uh, Arnold develops a crush on an older girl who is using him to attract the attentions of Willis. And if I'm reading this right, the, the older girl's name was Lurleen. Yeah, not this, sound, this sounds... I remember this episode. I feel like I've seen this episode. I'm sure I have. Yeah. I just, just, that's not a, that is not a name that screams 1979 in New York City to me, but okay. Hello, Larry is in its second season, and Larry is delighted when he is invited to MC a nude beauty contest until he learns he is also expected to appear in the nude. I have a question. Yeah. What is Hello, Larry? I have no fucking idea. I assumed you would know. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Larry? I just assume. How many times That just sounds like him? a David thing. Oh, it's McLean Stevenson. Yes. Hello, Larry is an American sitcom television series created, blah, 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 blah. Um, he was a radio talk show host who left LA after being divorced and moved to Portland, Oregon with his two teenage daughters. So it was like the Frasier of his time. 
If it only ran for one season. <laughs> two seasons. Uh, two seasons, yes. A year, and a, a year and a half. I was looking at the dates. Oh, Joanna Gleason was in it, too. Oh, yeah. I feel like this has come up before. She played Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so so I'm so close to the end you guys uh hello larry was followed by a special the best of saturday night live and it's just worth noting that saturday night live had only been on for four years at this point and they uh they were doing a primetime best of special dude i found a book in my mom's house yesterday that was like a complete history of sesame street and this book must have been from 1970 or 71 <laughs> <laughs> they're missing a lot of complete history of sesame street all the pictures are of the old big bird with the misshapen head and it's yeah John Denver and the Muppets, A Christmas Together. Starring John Denver and John's special guest stars, Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, Gonzo, Floyd, Scooter, and Rolf. All right, we've got seven guest stars to introduce. It's going to take a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> this is Rolf. Why is it getting top billing? <laughs> I assume that you know who the Muppets are, so I'm going to refresh your memory on John Denver, who you may remember was the guest star of the first episode of season four of the Muppet Show. So I'm not going to give you his full bio. You can go back and listen to that episode if you're really curious. Here are the highlights. Primarily known as a singer-songwriter, his first hit as a songwriter was Leaving on a Jet Plane in 1969, which was a number one on both Billboard and Cashbox for Peter, Paul, and Mary. As a singer, his breakthrough came in 1971 with his fourth album called Prayers and Promises, thanks to the number two hit, Take Me Home Country Roads. That was followed by a succession of further hits, including Rocky Mountain High, Sunshine on My Shoulders, Thank God I'm a Country Boy, and many, many more. In the mid-70s, he got involved in liberal politics, and in particular with environmentalism. In 1977, he made the jump to the big screen, co-starring with George Burns and Oh God and his two sequels. Uh, and it was during that period that he appeared on The Muppet Show and recorded the album John Denver and the Muppets at Christmas Together and starred in the special that we're here to talk about today. In 1983, he would reunite with the Muppets for the television special and album Rocky Mountain Holiday, and then do a few more appearances with them uh, over the rest of his life. As the 80s rolled around, his hit-making days were mostly behind him, but he made frequent appearances on TV and in concert while keeping up a busy slate of charitable activities, including AIDS activism and advocacy for outer space exploration. He testified at Congress in opposition to censorship as well. In 1997, he died in a plane crash while piloting a solo flight in a light home-built aircraft. Uh, so again, John Denver, we did a whole episode about him. And in fact, we did a second episode uh, over at Tough Pigs about Muppets Best Friends, where uh, we talk about John Denver a lot there too. So lots of opportunities to learn more about him. So instead of asking you all what your memories of John Denver are, why don't we talk about everyone's relationship to Christmas, Christmas specials, this Christmas special? Michal, why don't you start? Yeah, I was going to do the opposite. I was like, I was going to order of decreasing Christmasosity. But no, let's do that instead. In, in order of decreasing Christmasosity, um, at some point in my adulthood, I learned that I could watch a Christmas special and nothing terrible would happen to me. Um, <laughs> and I also learned that it's a lot of fun to sing Handel's Messiah. Huh. Um, mixed feelings about Christmas, Christian hegemony, people trying to sweep up Hanukkah into Christmas. Whether I want to be, you know, represented on television or whether I want people to leave, like, my personal life and religion out of the overarching American thing. <laughs> uh, that said, uh, I don't know, getting into the Christmas spirit and watching Christmas specials with the Muppets can be a fun time. That's separate from my feelings about this particular special, which I've never seen before, and I don't intend to watch again. I, I too, was raised Jewish, but uh, 
I, I guess less so or less observantly <laughs> than Macross. <laughs> and definitely uh was sort of wrapped up in the American thing. We did not celebrate Christmas in my home. We did not, you know, we were not assimilated in that way. But despite, you know, growing up in a a fairly Jewish city and and going to a school that like I'm pretty sure the student body in my elementary school was like 80% Jewish. My secular elementary school, but it just worked out that way. Christmas is as much a secular holiday in America as it is a religious holiday for a lot of people. And it was just sort of there. And I knew that it was a religious religious holiday and was not mine, but it was you know, largely unavoidable. And like we we did a holiday assembly every year in elementary school where we sang two Hanukkah songs. They are still the only two Hanukkah songs that I know. And like a bunch of generally, you know, wintry, you know, non-religious Christmas songs. Like we would never sing a song where you, you know, said Jesus or, you know, any of that. So there is like a subset of Christmas music that I didn't know until I was much older. I'd never heard it. But this special, like I don't quite I think it must have aired multiple years. I feel like it imprinted on me. I definitely had it confused in my head with the um, Sesame Street special. Like I, I knew, I knew these songs and these versions of these songs, and thought that the book scenes were Big Bird wondering how Santa Claus was going to get down the tiny chimney, which also like deeply imprinted on me as a city kid. Uh, even though we did not have Santa Claus in my house, but like I wondered that too. It didn't make any sense. We had no fireplaces. That's a whole different thing. That's a Sesame Street special, which is is also quite charming, but is not this. And John Denver is not in it. It's also a very memorable last season episode of Give Me a Break. Oh, which I almost certainly also watched. <laughs> but anyway, I'm rambling. But yeah, so I don't, I don't, I can't imagine we owned this album when I was a kid. But like this is the version of the Twelve Days of Christmas that is in my head forever and ever so it was definitely like a thing uh yeah i also grew up super jewish but uh also like i was the only jewish kid in my elementary school maybe or maybe one of two so like my second grade teacher thought it would be fun to do a good old-fashioned christmas pageant retelling the nativity and we sing all these fucking jesus songs uh did you play Jesus? Because Jesus was Jewish. So well, no, I I <laughs> like asked my mom to write the teacher a note uh saying that I would like to be the narrator because I did not want to be involved in like the Jesus stuff, but also I was not gonna opt out of a theater opportunity. <laughs> right. I'm I am experiencing this conflict with you and being like, wait a minute, are you gonna not go on stage? So I get the best role. <laughs> right. And also didn't have to sing uh-huh. any of the songs or like be an angel or whatever. Nice. But like as a chorus kid throughout high school, like we learned all this stuff. We did parts of the Messiah in high school chorus in a public school, which I think was probably inappropriate. Uh, but we did it. The Messiah slaps. So. Well, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I don't know that I saw this special as a kid. Like I remember Muppet Family Christmas and I remember the Sesame Street ones much more. But certainly I had this album at least by the time I was in college, if not earlier. And that's a long time ago now. So uh, and I watched this special last year when prepping for our Tough Pigs episode. So uh, this was not my first recent encounter with the special, but it's not one that I necessarily will revisit a whole lot, but we'll talk about that in the next section. I do like Christmas specials in general, though. Big fan of the genre. Excellent. Yeah, so... Our token Christian, Christy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say... It's the... Christy the Christian, that sounds fake. Yeah, as, as, as Muppeturgy's... Uh... <laughs> You know, a token Gentile. I, <laughs> we, it, I, I, I won't bore you with my my history of Christmas because I, I have it is lifelong and extensive. But I had not seen this special before. I 
was super familiar with the the John Denver and the Muppets 12 Days of Christmas because it's one that they played a lot uh, on the radio in my hometown at Christmas time. It was always one of those things where I'd get really excited because I'm like, oh, the Muppets are on the radio. Like it was such a that's fun. such a cool thing. But yeah, I had not seen this special before yesterday, and I'm not sure that I will ever see it again. <laughs> <laughs> Which will be a, a fun thing to discuss. <laughs> I feel like we've all sort of tipped our hands. Uh, Muppet Wiki has a couple of uh, quotes from reviews that I found amusing. Writing for the Los Angeles Times, James Brown found the combination of Denver and the Muppets to be, quote, an overdose of cute that overextends its welcome with too many spoonfuls of sugar and not enough holiday surprises. The production numbers are ordinary, and the cardboard sets and spray can snow do little to unearth the holiday spirit. And Bill Hayden from Gannett News Service started his review by placing John Denver at the top of his list of least favorite performers and the Muppets as ranking exceedingly high on a list of his most liked performers. So I don't think that either of those are the problem of this special. John Denver and the Muppets, you mean? John Denver being somebody's least favorite performer or the overdose of spoonfuls of sugar. I don't think that either of those. Oh, are well, I think if you don't like John Denver, there's a lot of John Denver in this. And if you find John Denver really? cloying, there's a lot of John Denver being cloying. Let's get into it. Why don't you get I'll just keep talking because I'm talking and I also feel like I'm very alone. Uh, I love this. <laughs> I don't love all of it. And uh, definitely like having remembered, you know, a lot of the songs, but nothing that went around it. Um, rewatching it for the first time since I was a small child, I had a lot of what is happening moments, but there's something about Hey, we said this already, but I, I love that it's positioned as John Denver's special where the Muppets are his special guest stars. And as part of that, like there's a human ensemble. There's like these whole dance numbers that are not Muppet numbers. There's like this, this deep sincerity to it that is like, could only have happened in this moment or like in or before this moment in time, right? This would be killed in like two years in the eighties. And I'm not a big Christmas special person. I don't have like a lot of history with them. And so I, I, I don't, I, maybe I just haven't seen a lot of examples of the form, but I don't know. I was, very charmed by this and like a couple of things made me angry and a couple of things I found weird, but like on balance, I love it. Christy sounds like you, not so much. Yeah, I did not love it at all. I, <laughs> I, here's the thing. I, I just, and, and when we get into the, the weird religious shit in this, uh, I, I, I will expound, but I just think that a, a lot of the writing in this is really bad and sloppy and off-brand for the Muppets. And that ultimately is my issue. I just think it's thrown together really weirdly. Now, that's not to say that I didn't, like, I <laughs> scowled at the entire thing. There are, are delightful moments. The the 12 days is obviously great and the the piggy stuff i'm really excited to talk about but yeah as an example of a christmas special as an example of a muppet thing i mean it's an okay showcase for john denver but i think even his talents have been used better places yeah i just i was not a fan Michal? same i think that this is an example that latter-day Muppet writers could take an example from of what happens when even in the peak Muppet era, the Muppets don't shine as brightly as they could when they don't have people writing for them who know how to write for the Muppets. Because this this does feel 
off for them. And the the piggy stuff is fun because she's throwing herself into it, but not because she's given good stuff to work with. It still doesn't feel quite right, still doesn't quite feel like Piggy. And having the whole thing hinge on Piggy wants more lines makes sense, but it still doesn't quite feel like the Muppets. Yeah, not a fan. As much as there are bits of this that I love, the, the 12 days, like, if you are at all interested in this special and you find a YouTube clip of it, you could easily just watch the first five minutes, which is that 12 days of Christmas, <laughs> and then declare victory and turn it off. I mean, you could watch a few more minutes and see if it's for you, but if it's not, then you've already seen the best part. There are a couple of other highlights that I enjoyed. There was a, a duet with John Denver and Rolf that I thought was wonderful. And then there was this really zany number that I don't think made sense for what the characters were doing, where the show was, but it seemed like the Muppets need to throw in something wacky. So they just got really wacky for a couple minutes. And I enjoyed that. And everything else, maybe some of it is that Christmas production numbers are not necessarily for Michal's, but some of it is that it's not good. David? I liked it better than Christine Michal did. And I've now seen it three times within a relatively short amount of time. And I think I liked it. I like some parts of it better with familiarity and some parts of it worse. Uh, like uh, the songs have a little bit of sameness to them and a little bit of drippiness to them. At least the songs that are very John Denver forward. Uh, and I think that sort of drags it down a bit. Although the more I listen to it and the more I recognize those individual songs as what they are, like the more they start to stand out for me. But I agree that the, that the writing really brings it down by not having a really strong through line, which I know like it's a, this is a variety show as much as it's a special. It's not necessarily the kind of thing that is supposed to have real strong plot elements to it, but I think it would have been better if it did. And I noticed in the end credits that John Stone was credited with additional material. And John Stone is one of the genius minds behind Sesame Street, but not someone who is frequently associated with this group of characters. And I do wonder if this sort of soft touch treacliness of it was a side effect of like calling in John Stone instead of Jerry Jewell for the touch-ups. Interesting. I didn't know that. There's a, there's a scene with Kermit that I quite like but it feels a little sesame and mm. could have done with a Jerry Jewel punch up. So yeah, that's a, an interesting fact to know. Well, speaking of the writer's room, let's go to the read through. Yeah. Muppet Joe backstage. The story backstage at this special is that we are in the process of writing the show. And also we are getting dressed for and performing the show all at the same time. Uh, so we begin in the writer's room, where John tells the Muppets that we have a whole week to suggest changes and sort the script out. The timeline isn't really clear, but anyway, here we are. Showbiz! The first time you open the script to see the magic, the excitement, the adventure. And how many lines you got? I find this script has wit, humor, and excellent taste. Ah, taste! Ah, 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 ah. In audio only, it really sounds like Animal is stealing Cookie Monster's bit, but that was Animal, to be clear. Yeah. I mean, if Animal wants to eat the script, I'm not... No, no, not at all. It's his right. So we begin with an altercation over Bible quotes. 
Let's start at the top, Kermit. Uh, okay, uh, let's see. It goes a, a Christmas message from all of us to all of you. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Uh, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, what, uh, what about toward women? Well, of, of course toward women. Mm, oh, well, then why not uh, say so? Well, we, we took it from the Bible, Miss Piggy. Well, well, Jonathan, the Bible is filled with women. This one begat that one, and that one begat the other one. And from all the begatting that went out, it is quite obvious there was a great deal of goodwill toward women. <laughs> it's a good joke. <laughs> it is. And also, she just continues to call him Jonathan throughout the special. Which is not his name, incidentally. He's a J-O-H-N John. Yeah. Yep. So that is consistent with the Muppet Show. She did that yes. then, too. Yeah, it's a thing that Piggy does. And I can't tell whether I find it funny or not. But it, it might just be Frank Oz trying to make this bigger than it is. Which, you know, good at his job. Kermit actually agrees with Piggy, which I find refreshing. Kermit wants to say towards men and women. This still leaves out uh, many of the Muppets, so more arguments ensue. I think he should say, peace on earth, goodwill toward men and women and chickens and bears and Dizzy Gillespie. (laughs) So what's annoying about this is that when we actually do see the number that they're discussing... They say goodwill towards men and frogs and dogs and bears and chickens. And then Miss Piggy says, and moi, but they never get around to actually including women. <laughs> or does well, they, they include Piggy? <laughs> they're only leaving out Janice because there's no other woman in the well, cast. Well, you know, in the world. Sure. And I guess all those humans they're, they're all who are dancers. dancing around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Miss Piggy got what she wanted. She's included. Good for her. Good for her. This scene, I feel like, is the root of all of the problems in this special. Because it's setting it up to be so much higher concept than it ends up being. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't want to get into this too early, but like, I feel like there is this genre of Christmas special that Charlie Brown Christmas also falls under, where it's the secular humanist wrappings where like in the middle of it you've got okay so this is what the actual like religious significance behind the holiday is but here are the broader here here is a quote-unquote universal message to be gleaned from it whether or not you actually care about the origins of the holiday and this conversation it feels like oh maybe that's what they're setting it up and then like it just like falls apart immediately so that's frustrating to me, as I'm sure it is to many people. <laughs> We're all nodding along, which yes, is very helpful yes, for yes, a podcast. Audio medium. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and there is a lot of there's a lot of Jesus coming. And some of it's really condescending and bad. So, like, you know, it is weird to sort of have this setup where it's like, yeah. oh yeah, of course, women and bears and chickens, and then be like, okay, but is the issue that it it feels like deception that they're gonna give some treacly things about like, this is what Christmas is all about when you're together with your family and you wish each other peace on earth. And then like, there's surprise Jesus. I think part of it is that none of the characters within the world of the special experience this or learn this. They instead, they do their numbers and then John Denver turns and looks at the camera and says, and you must learn about Jesus. So, you know, it's, it's like a weird there's like a it's disconnect. Not, it's not integrated into like the story such as it is. Yeah. Well, let's get further into the, the plot such as it is. So we go to Piggy's dressing room and Piggy's dressing room is 
pretty fabulous. The the walls are upholstered. <laughs> there are just like feathers and pink upholstery everywhere. And she's in an outfit befitting the top build star that she is. She gets a better dressing room in this special where she's a guest star than she has at the Muppet Theater where she is ostensibly the star. Well, she's being treated like a guest. And it's a TV studio, not a shabby vaudeville theater. So that, that works for me. They've come all the way to L.A. for this. <laughs> They've been flown in. They're going to be put up in nice accommodations. Um, and she's on a fancy telephone with Bernie the agent. And her beef is that she's been cast as an elf. And Piggy insists that she does not play elves. And that she only has 20 words. And if she doesn't get more lines, Bernie the agent is fired. And then Piggy just takes on this task herself. So she just tells Bernie to fix it, and then she fixes it. Oh, Jonathan! Oh, Jonathan, dear! I see the way you look at me when the others are not watching. Not just today, but even when you were a guest on our show. Oh, we looked at each other in the same way then. But I can't remember. Where? When? We, we didn't really get a chance to know each other. We'll become better acquainted this time, won't we, <laughs> Fred Goss really is throwing everything at this. Right. So what I want to talk about is how they sound like they're doing the cue for the song Where or When, the like Rogers and Hart standard. They even quote the lyrics, but then they don't yeah. sing the song. But we actually need to talk about how she's saying, like, we didn't fuck last time we saw each other. Let's do it right now. Right. <laughs> for a better part. Like, very specifically. Yes. And there, later on in the scene, she snorts at him, and I realize she is a pig, but in the context, it's just extra weird. I mean, he's cracking up, which is kind of Yeah, cute. it does feel like if they're not improvising the scene, certainly he broke for real, and, and Frank Oz is having a good time with it, but it's... Yeah, she's throwing herself at him and oinking, and <laughs> but uh, only to get him to say that he'll give her more lines. <laughs> like, that's all yeah. she's after. And of course, it's John Denver, so he's like, I'm married. Like, he he can't yeah. actually, like, he'll give her a bigger part, but he's also not going to sleep with her in exchange for it. Yeah. Charles Grodin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If John, if they dubbed John Denver's voice and had a floating head <laughs> uh, and a water time, belly. Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love that. Have more lines. Is this a Piggy. different. <laughs> is this a different piggy puppet? So I, it's funny, I thought that her eyes look really droopy in the special, which is very reminiscent of like season one Miss Piggy and not post Muppet movie Miss Piggy. But uh, I'm not sure. It's jet lag. Yeah, Possible. I thought. Yeah, they've they've been on a plane for a long time. Her her ears are just erect in this scene. That could also just be the way they do her hair. Like her, if her hair is, is a little flatter than it should be, then her ears might look bigger. Yeah, it just seems like more of a contemporary piggy problem. Whereas, like when she has rabbit ears, I know that the puppet is a little off. Mm. I feel like when I watched this a couple of years ago, I was I my overarching reaction, apart from all the Jesus stuff, was uh, her makeup. It seemed like she was wearing a lot of makeup, um, but also that was one of the bad youtube rips and having now watched it a cleaner copy I, I don't actually think that's true but I, there was something that i reacted to at one point about like she was very dolled up for this so it could be that it could be a combination of all these things well she later gets dolled up to play a doll well, yeah but it, even apart from that like she, i mean she she her eye i'm actually i'm looking at it now her eye makeup is is i think heavier than usual 
Yeah, I think that's part of what gives it that droopy look. Yeah, and also they might actually be different eyes because I don't think you can paint and unpaint the foam. Right. Speaking of Piggy's makeup, uh, let's go to the makeup room. For some reason, Lou Zealand is about to apply Miss Piggy's makeup, which is a choice that I would question. <laughs> okay, Miss Piggy, you ready for your green makeup? Oh, what, are you, what, what are you doing? I'm making you up to look like an elf. No, 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 no. The elf number is out. The elf number is out? Mm-hmm. Next! Well, well, hold it, hold it, hold it! In its place is going to be a more important number. Uh, Mr. Denver is thinking up a brilliant concept, even as we speak. What do I mean? Not as you speak, as I speak. Sure. Um, yes, John Denver has promised Piggy a, a big number, but he walks in, sees Miss Piggy, and tries to leave. Piggy gets him to admit that her big number is still in progress, but he hasn't gotten anywhere with it yet. But he assures her that it's it's really happening. He tells the Muppets to make Miss Piggy up to fit anything. And then Piggy is so delighted that she bursts into a nonsensical song. I mean, it's still a Christmas song, but it just is a thing that happens. And then later, after... John Denver and Ralph have had their lovely number on. They're on a stage, right? Yeah. yeah. Or they're or they're at least yeah, alone on a soundstage, backstage, somewhere. They're they're in a yeah sort of a void. But uh, Miss Piggy spoils the mood by rushing on in a fit of pique. Jonathan, yes. How could you? How could you, Jonathan? What have oh, I? What have oh, I done? Oh, Jonathan, you know the big new production number you were planning for me? Yes. It is now starring Fifi. Well, I'll tear a limb from them. Where is the, she, no, John? No, Piggy, Piggy, what, please what? wait. Listen, no one could play Fifi. No one but you. It's very confusing to me that her role is Fifi and her dog is Fufu. <laughs> That's what I, yeah, I, I was confused at first. I thought that she was upset that the dog was getting the big number. But that's not what happened. I really just, I, I wanted to fix how this was written so that it was less unclear. <laughs> and so that it was clearer. Um, that clip but yeah, did I, cut off before one of my favorite moments in the whole thing, which is like teeny tiny gentle way that Piggy says, me? Like. <laughs> and then she corrects herself and she says, I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Oz is so good at his job. <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt. Ugh, we, we, we may just stay tuned to Muppeturgy.com. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really wanted John to have a line that just says, oh, Fifi is the name of the role and you are playing that role. Like it just, it took too long to sink in as I was watching it. Maybe I was. I do feel like every character she's ever but, played has been named Piggy. So I can sort of understand her confusion that it not saying Piggy in the script. Maybe the Muppets just don't understand the concept. Well, right, like she's Nurse Piggy, she's First Mate Piggy. She is consistently Piggy. Maybe. But, yeah, so much of this feels like it was written in an all-nighter and nobody got a chance to review it before they just took it to production. And I would have liked to fix it. Any hoodles, that is the plot, such as it is. And before we get to the music, let's set the scene. In lieu of a show business segment later... Uh, we'll do that now and just tell you what's happening in the special. Never mind that jazz! Listen, turkey! What? And get out of show business? Okay, so some of this happens as in the form of production numbers, and some of this happens in the form of definitely a television special that we're watching, and it's hard to tell what's what. But 
after that initial writer's room bit backstage, we magically transitioned to on stage or on a soundstage or on screen or whatever this is. <laughs> a door slams open and magical winds blow and there is snow and music and the Muppets and John Denver step through. And at first, it's just John Denver walking around a void. Maybe that's maybe that void is supposed to look like snow. It was very confusing to me that he was clearly chroma keyed and it was just onto a plain white background. I was like, they're in a multi-million dollar television studio and they couldn't just put him in front of a white site. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I was like, is he dead? Did he walk out into that storm and and die? And is he coming back? Yeah. Well, and does this explain the whole special? Is it like an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge situation? Like, <laughs> it would explain some of the writing and the fixation on Jesus. It's very <laughs> odd. But this is also very much of like, certainly what Jim Henson liked to do, which is that, sure, there might have been like a classic stagecraft way to just have the set fade into view through an optical effect, but instead they need to do like the fancier computerized version, which ends up looking kind of crappy. Right. And like the, the, so the buildings in this town square like appear one or two at a time. And it was actually unclear to me if that, if they like did that on stage or if that was a model and that's why he had to be chroma keyed in, or if, if it was because it would, it just took too long to do it in real life. And so he couldn't just stand there and he, you know, he would, he would like jump around if they did it in multiple takes. I don't know. But yeah, it's a very, it's very unnecessary. <laughs> reminded me a lot of the the town square from Emmett Otter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it reminded me a lot of the Times Square from that Dolly Parton Netflix show, Christmas called- on the Square, which is a work of absolute genius. Which <laughs> I had go. the same thought. <laughs> yeah, I said that a thing like this couldn't happen at any other time, or couldn't happen after this time. But Dolly Parton is sort of making it work. But uh, but even that, like that, is a plot. Like that is a that is a that is a right, movie with a story. That's not a special like this. That's a movie. with a plot that right. is yeah. a Christmas special starring Dolly Parton as an angel. Speaking of chroma key, but um, <laughs> who definitely did not show up on set and interact with a single one of those other actors. <laughs> Christine Bransky would have made an amazing Muppet Show guest star, as would Dolly Parton. Anyway, we're very off track. No, but I had the same thought. It's that very like classic, <laughs> like classic Americana, like backlot slash Disneyland town square yes. right you just expect to like run into a gilmore girl at any moment <laughs> would 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 not make a good moment i guess guest no. Star. no so assuming that john denver is not dead he's in a little christmas village and it's populated by dancers and people start singing and dancing there's a horse uh the mayhem is in the gazebo it's a whole Production. We see the Swedish chef who is uh, now part of the special. Oh, yeah, he's there. Fozzie is the Salvation Army Santa. Insert reaction here. <laughs> anyway, that happens. There's music. We'll talk about the music later. And then, again, not sure whether this is supposed to be part of their scripted special or not, but we see John out in his natural habitat uh, a sweater or nature, <laughs> both. <laughs> a Studebaker. Uh, he greets some of the Muppet Woodland creatures, and then he just poses beatifically and tells us about a Christmas tree named Alfie. And it took me so many viewings to figure out that Alfie is the name of a tree. He just says Alfie over and over yeah, but again. Like the first line of it is a Christmas tree named Alfie. <laughs> I That went straight okay. over my head. <laughs> he just says Alfie a lot. You see, some folks have never heard a jingle bell ring, and they've never heard of Santa Claus. They've never heard the story of the Son of God. And that made Alfie pause. Did that mean that they'd never know of peace on earth or the brotherhood of man or know how to love or know how to give? If they can't, no one can. 
You see, life is a very special kind of thing, not just for a chosen few, but for each and every living, breathing thing, not just me and you. It's real. Do they know it's Christmas vibes in that? It's yeah. It's a shame that I don't know how to love. Yeah, I hated this more than anything else in the entire special. Yeah, me too. Like this specific clip. Yeah, it's weird. Like to Christy's point about this being sort of a mishmash of these things. There's another. There's like a very similar moment with Kermit where he expresses a very similar sentiment. And it's like it's still a little condescending. And we'll talk about when we get to the music. Um, but like I, it's. It felt nice. It felt sort of open and loving. And this feels like, doesn't suck for you that you're not a Christian. <laughs> it's not. It feels very specifically exclusive yeah. that peace is for everybody as long as you've heard about Jesus. Yeah. I I mean, part of it is, I mean, and I, I am a person, you know, uh, was raised evangelical, is now Episcopalian, has Catholic family. Like I, I, I have experienced many versions of Christianity in my lifetime. And I'm like, I didn't feel like he was talking to me either. I thought he was talking at me. Like I, it's it, like th- there's very much a like, man, it's just sad that like nobody's in the club and it's like, no dude, a lot of people are in the club, but also like you're, you're missing the point. And, yeah. and you know, and the thing is, is like, I, Again, it's just there's not like a like a clear directive to any of this. But like I really appreciate the very sort of like late 70s we're going to sneak some like environmentalism into this. But like the fact that like the streams get crossed with the preachy Christian stuff is weird. It's weird. Yeah, that's helpful to hear you yeah. say. Well, and like the tone is weird, like because there's there's more explicitly Christian stuff in this that doesn't bother me at all because it is in fact a Christmas special. Yeah, we'll get to it in a second. But like, the, it, it's a tonal problem, and and uh, this is I think just a TV thing. I don't think they would do it on purpose. But like, a lot of the transitions in this are really awkward or just like not not transitions. They just like things happen, and some of that is like very classic like tv thing of like you know the fade to commercial where you have to kind of hold for a beat while they film you so they can fade out on you and so at the end of this john denver stares at the camera in the (laughs) creepiest fucking way of course i made a gif with like an extreme close-up that is (laughs) just upsetting like just like to hammer home the the disappointed christian dad vibes it's just like (laughs) and now i will glare at you through my glasses it's so weird and i don't think they were doing it on purpose but it does not read well and it certainly has not aged well yeah they meant for this to be uplifting and i i am a little relieved that christy did not find it (laughs) uplifting no because i i didn't know if it's if it's me like i get that it's not for me, and I'm not the intended audience of the special. Or is they it want to talk about Christianity for you, right? Because you're the one who needs to hear well, it, you right? Or maybe yeah, maybe this is proselytizing, <laughs> and I feel left out, and that they want me to feel left out so that I can experience the joy of Christmas. But also, this is a special on national television, and it stars the Muppets. So even if they're, I, I don't expect that they're going to work too hard to include me, and I don't actually want them to. But also, it feels a little weird that they're working a little too hard to exclude yeah. me, <laughs> and. I thought maybe I'm just making too many assumptions and that's not how the hegemony works and it's just going to leave you out regardless. But no, it's a little extra. That to me is the real conflict 
in this entire thing is it's like, is Christmas an incredibly inclusive thing (laughs) or is it an incredibly exclusive thing? Right. And, you know, from moment to moment, who knows? (laughs) Right. The position of this special is that it's yes and yes. One thing I did really like about this segment was that they had real live deers. Yes. But also oh, yeah. like a little weird, like there's a Muppet beaver and a Muppet raccoon and then a deer. And it's right. very strange. Like the several deers deer. Confused. The deer is yeah. like, what am I doing here? Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Real deer. I mean, fake trees. Real deer. Right. Fake snow. <laughs> fake trees. Fake frog. Speaking of Kermit, yes. Pressing on with his nature walk, uh, John encounters Kermit the Frog. Just sitting and looking rather down in the dumps. I guess this time of year I always get a little homesick. Yeah? Well, I I get homesick, too. Yeah. I get to thinking about all my friends at the old pond. You know, the exciting times we used to have at Christmas time. Yeah? I remember there was this cute little tadpole who always used to leap around saying everything was easy as falling off a log. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was one Christmas he had a terrible accident. What, what happened? He fell off a log. Poor little fella, he just croaked. He died? Oh, no, he croaked. Help, help, he croaked. Oh, we helped him up, and he was okay. So we all built a snow frog. Well, those were the great times. Well, but you know, Kermit, I mean, these are great times, too. Uh, you're, you're part of a real show business tradition. Yeah. Well, the sad thing is that show business takes you away from your roots. We had the most delicious roots at the old pond. I like that joke, but I still don't like the way this is written. Well, so first of all, this would have benefited from a laugh track a million times. That's what I'm saying. I just realized what's mm-hmm. wrong with it while sort of watching us all react to it on Zoom. That it's it's delivered like the Muppet movie, but it has the cadence of the Muppet show, but there's no laugh track. Yeah. So they're, this they're feels pausing like the John Stone section too. I actually think it's it's really it's it's got the cadence of Sesame Street. Yeah, this is what I was referring to earlier. Yeah. And I mean, I know that like, you know, part of doing like comedy for TV or movies is like you actually sort of need a little bit of air for the audience to laugh so they don't miss the next line. But like that that's too much air. They are clearly waiting for something that is not coming. And then at the end of it, John like pets Kermit really condescendingly. <laughs> like it's sweet. <laughs> it's not unsweet. But in this world where we sort of feel that Kermit is human which would probably insult him. He is a frog, but you know what I mean? Like he's really petting him like a dog. (laughs) I found it strange. (laughs) Of all the things that bothered me about this scene, that wasn't one. No, sure. But it it just happened after this other extremely condescending thing to the audience. I was aware that, you know, that's sort of John's whole vibe is gentle, kind condescension. I mean, they also sing a song, which we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit, but they sing a song that is also that same flavor of condescension of, like, I don't know if Christmas is your thing, but you can still come do Christmas. Like, I, I don't know. It weirds yeah, me. We'll, we'll talk it. about we'll it later. Look. So now we've done all the things that are maybe supposed to be part of the televised special or maybe just what John Denver is experiencing as he walks through on his way to um, something better or I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> now we're definitely getting a glimpse at the part that is supposed to be on TV. Because we we look at a, quote, director's script, and then we transition into a house that's all decorated for Christmas. So this is the scripted bit. Under the tree, there are gifts, and one of the gifts unwraps itself, and a troop of little wooden soldiers march out, one of whom is John Denver. And they do this wacky little dance, which I it's 
fun. And John Denver is, I think, doing most of his own dancing, if not all of his own dancing. And they do a cute thing where he's like in the wrong part of the line and he's bumping into things and it, it's a good time. So that happens. And then another gift unwraps itself and it's Miss Piggy in her star turn as a little doll. She's done up like a little porcelain doll and she sings this song of longing, which we will talk about. And then she and John Denver as the soldier briefly reunite. In slow motion. In slow motion, yes. They run at each other from across the room. I seem to remember doing this in a movie somewhere. Yes, very good. Then all of the toys hear Santa's voice laughing and they have to scurry back into their boxes. The end. That's the scripted bit. No, oh, except there's more. But that's the Miss Piggy's big scene. And then at the end, we get a little epilogue with John Denver and the Muppets actually spending Christmas together, as advertised. They're at home in somebody's home around the tree, and they sing carols, and John narrates a nativity scene. So that's the thing that happens, too. Since this is such a very special season, I would like to share with you some of the very special story. And it came to pass that Joseph went up from Galilee unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem with Mary, his espoused wife, who was great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. You you know how that goes. We could stop there. (laughs) Sir, sir, I knew Linus. I served with Linus. Linus was a friend of mine. You, sir, are no Linus. I have a clarifying question. Is espoused wife as redundant as I yes. think it is? Yeah, but I it's, it's, at- that's language from the Bible. So it's, it's not it's not just like some TV writer decided to... But it also sounds like a weird translation issue, because like I, yeah. I looked it up because it means something different today. It is an archaic word meaning Mary, and the example they gave was Edward had espoused the Lady Grey. That makes sense, but... But it's, it's, it's like King James Bible. Like it, sure. is, it is the familiar version of this story from Luke. I'm still yeah. saying uh-huh. it's probably a bad translation because it's redundant. Well, the King James Bible is a bad translation. There you go. Part of what makes it charming. Uh, Out of curiosity, because I, I know how this hits me, obviously. Um, but like when the, the similar moment ha- happens in Charlie Brown Christmas, does it weird you guys out? Yeah. Yeah. And actually I find it more jarring than this. Like at this point in the special, it's, it's been like sort of weird tonally enough. And this feels so on brand for John Denver and it feels so off brand for peanuts. Also like the nativity part of this special doesn't weird me out nearly as much as the judgmental Christmas tree from earlier. So like it is, it is. And they both are like explicitly Christmas specials, right? They're not holiday specials. They're not, Christmas specials they're not you know let's light some things specials like i so i i don't think it would happen if you were making this now but like i sort of thought it was kind of lovely in a weird slightly creepy way but it was like i found it creepy because i found the puppets kind of creepy not because yeah but like this part of the special is classy in a way that yes. like the earlier thing wasn't yeah yeah and also in that in that zone in which it is it is John Denver's show not the muppets show like there are puppets in this that were made by 
the Jim Henson shop, but that are not like the Muppets don't appear in this. They're in the room with him while he's telling the story live, but it's not like, you know, Sam is playing Joseph and, uh, you know, Annie Sue is playing Mary like that. That would, that would be weird. It would bother me a lot. Yeah. These were new puppets that were created for this nativity scene that we cut to. Yeah. They're, they're, they're more in kind of like a dark crystal, uh, like, or like an art puppet. Art. Yeah. Yeah. They're very beautiful, but they're f- I don't like that their faces don't move. Like they're very stiff. Yeah. And so like the donkey and the camels look amazing and all the humans like are very pretty when they're still, but whenever they move I'm like I find them very odd. I think they're very interesting and cool. And Jim Henson defined them as the the first serious puppets we've made. Untrue. <laughs> Which I yeah. What about the ghostly crew of the Alpha Centauri in the Crystal Gale episode? Those were deadly serious. We must believe in Jesus, Michal? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) We must believe in some kind of magic. We've learned that from Crystal Gale already. I would say that the African Muppets that sang with Harry Belafonte were just as serious as these Muppets. They were maybe playful, but they were... I was about to say they're more comedic, but playful is a much better word. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so what do you think Jim Henson meant when he said these are our first I think what he meant is that there is there is not an ounce of playfulness to this, that it is just simply, like, respectful. So much so that these these puppets don't ever speak either. It's like John Denver is narrating, and we see little, like, snippets of them, like, moving around, acting out the story, but but there's no dialogue for the puppets. Like, I think they were being so extra careful to not do anything that might offend people, which is funny because there's actually, like, very long tradition of puppets in churches so like i don't know what he was afraid of but good for him yeah i i did not mind this section as much as i minded the christmas it also went way faster than i remembered it going i mean (laughs) they're not stupid like they're it's i mean this is also like the 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 tonal thing that christy was talking about like a lot of this feels like it's for kids and then miss piggy tries to fuck john denver which is like is a thing on the muppet show too but like (laughs) But the Muppet Show gets that happy, balance. Happy much holidays, better. Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, <laughs> like the Muppet Show knows how to do that balance really well, and I. But I think that this also comes like in the middle of three ballads. So I think that it, on some level they were like, "Keep it short." Yeah, <laughs> we got to keep it short because it will. We will lose the kids, and at least like the ballads involve like Scooter and Robin, and you know are are much cuter than this, visually if not uh, if not textually. And then we close out with more carols. There, There's a moment where they cut to Piggy with her arm around Kermit. And it, I don't know that there's a puppeteer inside Kermit. It looks like she's kind of strangled him to death. It's, it is weirdly romantic at this point, too. Because, like, you see Floyd and Janice kind of cuddled up together. And Piggy and Kermit are cuddled up together. And Gonzo and Camilla are cuddled up together. And, like, I get that it's, like, that late in the evening sitting around the fire vibe. But, again, like, especially coming right out of, like, let's hear the nativity felt a little strange to me they heard the bit about the espoused wife and they that just really got him going (laughs) scooter scooter and and robin feel very much like the kids and like piggy and kermit are mom and dad sitting in the middle of the couch and then john denver is the creepy uncle who is like (laughs) no christmas is really about jesus you guys i gotta tell you the nativity before you can open (laughs) your presents very strange vibes in the last 20 minutes of this special let's get to the actual vibes in the special (laughs) 
Yeah, if we were to talk about every single piece of music in this, we would be here for a very long time. Uh, so we're not going to talk about every single piece of music. The, the, there's a lot of traditional Christmas carol stuff, and you know we will kind of waltz past that. But we will talk about the the, the big highlights. And uh, I don't think there is a bigger highlight than our opening number. This is the 12 days of Christmas, which uh, is a traditional song with origins that go back to all the way to 1780. So major shout out to the public domain. The The earliest published version of the words come from 1780 children's book called Mirth Without Mischief. <laughs> that is a very specific demand of children. Yeah. I- <laughs> You can have fun, but not too much fun. Let's talk about birds. Um, yeah, and the version of this song that most people know is derived from a 1909 arrangement using a traditional folk melody by English composer Frederick Austin, who was a, a baritone singer, a, a music teacher, and a composer. And uh, he, he, in addition to arranging this, did uh, a restoration of the Beggar's Opera, which we've talked about many times. And uh, his other notable contribution to the song, besides, you know, putting it down to this particular melody, was adding the word on. Originally, it just said the first day of Christmas, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, this song is Roud Folk Song Index number 68. Yeah, shout out to a friend of the podcast, Olivia Harding, and her podcast, Folk Files, which you should all go listen to if you're interested in folk music, for teaching us how to pronounce Roud. It rhymes with loud. His name is not rude, we've learned. We we rude-gret our errors. (laughs) Yeah, so this is a weird song. Uh, There's a a meme that's been going around uh, the week that we are recording this, pointing out that among the gifts are 23 birds. (laughs) (laughs) Is that like, that's once through, It's, it's 23 birds, right? Yeah. Like yeah, you're not you're not counting them again if they appear again. There aren't there aren't twelve partridges. No, right. there are only twelve right. days. Okay. There aren't twelve days to the power of twelve. Just yeah. I just want to drive home that it's, that's a lot of birds. It's a lot of birds. Also, <laughs> multiple people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that gets glossed over. Yeah, I feel like the drummers could be like performing for her, but and the ladies the la- dancing could and the ladies dancing go off and yeah. dance somewhere. But they made the milking are troubling. Well, I think it's like we have hired you a household staff, not like sure, sure. You know, imprisoned people and forced them to work. Very useful household staff of drummers and dancers. Not like giving somebody <laughs> a mink to be her personal mink. Still troubling. Yeah. I think I said this already, but uh, it bears repeating. Uh, it bears repeating that uh, this is the version of the song that lives in my head. Like it's with especially Piggy's 
delivery of five gold rings and the badum bum, uh, which I was surprised to learn doesn't come in until like seven or eight. Ten. Oh, ten. Ten, ten. even later. Yeah. She doesn't come uh, in with it until near the and end. I, I really wanted to clip all 12 days, but the, the best badum bum is actually the one right before this one, where which is just Miss Piggy being very exasperated. Um, and Fozzie keeps messing up, and you know, Frank Oz is good at his job, and it's just it's delightful. The costume, the everyone's which one of them do you think Frank Oz is puppeteering? I think he's puppeteering Fozzie. I actually think it switches because if you notice that there are various times when it goes into close up of a single Muppet and then goes back to the That's group, true. So I think there are times when when the puppeteers ring around. Like, I think, for example, Jerry Nelson starts as Robin and then ends as Floyd because like Robin doesn't do a whole lot later in the song, yeah. I had questions about Robin because Robin is on John Denver's shoulder. It's and, so cute. I love it. Yeah, but oh no, no, that's it's, it's, like it's adorable. Parent. But I just instantly was just like, how close is Jerry Nelson to John Denver in this <laughs> right. moment? <laughs> Wrapped all around him. Yeah. I was curious about the doubling of the performers, and and so I made a list of who all of the Muppets were, what order they come in on, and then who performs them and the character count is we have three Jim characters, two Dave characters, two Jerry characters, three Franks and three Richards, uh, which is pretty impressive all around. Well, they get around having Rolf there by just having him in a totally separate. Right. He's at the piano. And so they all look over and and Rolf is there. Um, Uh, But then also we have, you know, Zoot shows up. He doesn't sing, but you hear his saxophone uh, play. So uh, there's just, there's, so much, so much going on. In yeah. addition to our five guys, uh, at this point, Steve Whitmire, Louise Gold, and Catherine Mullen are part of the Muppet performer quasi-core cast. So even though they don't have their own characters, we can assume that they are part of making this happen. Right. And just the costumes, like, it's just worth... Like, it's, they're sort of doing, like, the traditional sort of Dickensian caroler thing, except then Janice just shows up in, like, this really cute knit hat with a pom-pom like i don't know it's all great they all have hats i love it muppets in winter gear always adorable never fails our next song happens depending on your perspective possibly at the point where john denver walks into the snowy void and dies (laughs) maybe they're all just high i would say maybe they're all hallucinating this this is when the show transitions from the reality of the writer's room to the magic of Christmas. There you go. Sure. Up, uh... Or at least the magic of television. <laughs> May I have the pleasure of your company as we share this warm and friendly Christmas show. If I can have the pleasure of your company We'll soon forget the freezing ice and snow. Well, John, old chum, we'd love to come. I'm sorry if we're quarrelsome. But, Johnny, you know some artists can be such beasts. If I can have the pleasure of your company, we'll stay together everywhere we go. So this is a song called Pleasure of Your Company, and... At the moment, Muppet Wiki is, is wrong on this one. Uh, they credit it to Ray Charles, the, the show's current at this moment, a music supervisor, who maybe wrote the updated lyrics. But the song is actually from a musical called The Good Companions that had music by Andre Previn and lyrics by Johnny Mercer, if you're playing uh, the, the Muppeturgy. Bingo. Bingo. Uh, this is going to be the first of many, many... Uh, <laughs> 
opportunities to bingo uh this mm-hmm. episode um and uh the show also had a book by ronald harwood who was the academy award-winning screenwriter the pianist it was a, a british show uh the original pr- production uh had a cast including judy dench so <laughs> can't entirely but it was wrong. a show called the good companions and featured a song called the pleasure of your company it sounds very mild yes <laughs> Very hospitable. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, it's uh, The song was uh, covered by Bing Crosby, Bing, Bing, Bing. Uh, and we've talked about Johnny Mercer a lot, but we haven't really talked about Andre Previn, uh, who is also adjacent to some Muppeturgy interests. Uh, Andre Previn was a German-born American composer, not just composer, but also conductor and pianist. He was a piano prodigy. He was enrolled with a full scholarship at uh, the Berlin Conservatory at the age of six but was kicked out uh, for being Jewish. It was the late 30s. So his family fled to uh, Los Angeles and he got into film scoring because his father's second cousin, Charles Previn, was the music director at Universal Pictures. And yeah, during his film career, he won four Academy Awards and he also uh, won 10 Grammys. He was married several times, including to Mia Farrow, previous Muppet Valentine show guest star, Mia Farrow. There you go. So that's also his connection to noted Joe Raposo, Stan, Frank Sinatra, and... Bingo. Bingo, 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 bongo. And uh, he was also a, a, a jazz musician. He was he was a big part of the, the West Coast jazz scene. And Dizzy Gillespie described him as having the flow, which I can't imagine a cooler descriptor than Dizzy Gillespie saying, you have the flow. You have the flow. And yeah, and then later in his life, he was the conductor and or music director of several big orchestras, including the L.A. Phil, the Royal Phil, and the London Symphonic Orchestra. So, yeah. Cool guy. Good for him. Good for him. We kind of alluded to this, but this is a big production number with uh, many, many humans. And um, John Denver is a surprisingly good dancer, I thought, or they're doing a really good job of cutting around him. Yeah. Very graceful. He's definitely doing his own dancing in yeah. a lot of yeah. Bits, it really it's a lot, it's a lot of full body shots. So it's it's twelve days, and then that scene where they're talking about the script, and then this, and so like I thought this was off to a great start, and and like yes, it's like we have issues later, but like it it sets the tone as being like it's so cheesy, it's so seventies, <laughs> in just like the best all the best ways. Like this is exactly what I want this to be. It's very charming. There are a lot of what the fuck moments. Well, yeah, yeah. that's, that's yes. exactly what I want it to be, though. I'm like, yep, there's a horse. Great. Like, fine. <laughs> it's charming. Yes, it's there are two tiny ballerinas. though. Well, but Christmas is about bringing people together. Right. In this, and, you know, at this, yeah, no, the sentiment is, but like, it's, it's just very, it's in a very. These like, more jingle bells. Show tuning. Yeah, maybe it's, it's an arrangement thing. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it does. It yeah. does just feel like a variety show number, not necessarily a Christmas yeah. variety show right. number. Yeah, it's wintry. They're in the snow, but yeah, he dances with some ballet dancers, then he dances with some cops, and then he old dances ladies. with old ladies, and then he joins Miss Piggy on it. She's on a sleigh. There's a he horse. Looks great. Yep. She, yeah. She got fufu. <laughs> She's having a good time. Yeah. All cops are ballet dancers. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Miss Picky comes in on a sleigh, you know, like she's the grand, and she slays Grand Marshal of the Bad Bitch Parade. Like she's, <laughs> <laughs> she owns the moment. She got what she wanted. Truly, there's a fleeting blast of joy to the world, but we're not going to talk about joy to the world because it's very famous. 
but let's talk about some of these uh, John Denver songs. These treacly, treacly John Denver songs. It's in every one of us to be wise. Find your heart, open up both your eyes. I was waiting for the chorus to come in because that's a lot of John Denver. I think all the times that I watched this, I watched it at least a little bit sped up. So this just is way too slow for me. I was really excited that I could get a slightly shorter clip that made sense because it is so <laughs> slow. So that's where I got it off. Um, yep. Yeah. It's just so. And I love this Ugh. song, but let's let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk about it. I I I don't love it, but you know, it's it's fine. Uh, it's called "It's in Every One of Us." It was written by a guy named David Pomerantz who wrote a couple of Barry Manilow songs. He wrote Trying to Get This Feeling and the old songs. And he co-wrote the music for the musical Scandalous, <gasps> The Life and Trials of Amy Simple McPherson, which had a book and lyrics by uh, the one and only Kathy Lee Gifford. Yeah. Well, first of all, David Pomerantz, also a Scientologist. So that Why puts not? a spin on this song. Sure does. <laughs> But yeah, the song was uh, also part of a musical called Time, a very, very weird musical called Time. David, how would you describe Time? Time is a rock musical kind of loosely based on Doctor Who. You have my undivided attention. (laughs) That had famously what they called a hologram, but was actually just a projection of like a giant decapitated head as sort of like a cosmic figure who I think... I mean, Lawrence Olivier, wasn't it? Yeah. Maybe, or at least at least on the album. I don't know if he, he did it in the theatrical production. And, and it's something about, like, there's basically, like, Earth is being put on trial about whether or not they will be a part of, like, a peaceful universe, and this will be decided through essentially a battle of the bands. Like, sure. <laughs> That sounds actually pretty fantastic. <laughs> anyway, there's an album available. Uh, yeah. Most of it does not sound like this song. Cliff Richard sings it uh, yeah. on, on the, the album. Yeah. I mean, credit to David Pomerantz, I guess. This sounds to me like a traditional hymn, or at least like a mid-century something. And I am shocked to learn it's I from know a rock it is musical. Christmas. This is the finale of the show, like uh, like celebrating the world, the universal peace. That sure, they, sure. I guess achieved, achieved when they were the battle of bands. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I I know it as a Muppet Christmas song because of its appearance in, uh, famously, the pinnacle of human achievement, Muppet Family Christmas. And this is also one of the songs that was performed at Jim's memorial service, where I imagine it was less maudlin than this version. It it was. There was not much to say about the performance because it's really just sort of John Denver standing and singing and being boring. Wearing a great sweater, staring at the camera creepily. And then they just zoom in on his face and then we're out. And then we move on to his creepy song with Kermit. I don't know if you believe in Christmas Or if you have presents underneath the Christmas tree 
But if you believe in love, that will be more than enough for you to come and celebrate with me. Death to the lyricist who decided that love and enough should rhyme. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> also, at the yeah. very beginning of that clip, someone drops something. <laughs> it's very audible not less on the clip than when you're actually watching the whole thing and probably not on the youtube version but like it sounds like drumsticks to me but i don't think there is any percussion at this point in the song it's very weird and it's very weird they didn't fix it somehow especially because i assume nobody was actually singing live on set it's like it's really audible it's very loud yeah i thought it was one of us no 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 it's in the clip <laughs> i don't know if you believe right there <laughs> So this is what I was alluding to earlier uh, <laughs> while, while Christy recovers from the drop drumstick. Like, this has that same, like, slight tone of condescension. Like, well, I don't know if you believe in Christmas, but I guess I'll hang out with you anyway. But, like, I find this overall sentiment very sweet. And, you know, as a person who is not actually religious now and who knows that all of these holidays are about having an excuse to light things at the darkest time of the year, um, and that's not to like shit on whatever else you believe about them, but like that's why we're doing this right now. I like I think this is very sweet and peace and love and presence and light and and but it is kind of wrapped in a bow of condescension, even well, so. <laughs> it was especially weird in the scene that leads up to this when Kermit's talking about feeling bad that he's away from his family. That like at no point does either of them say like, but the Muppets are also your family and you're here with all of your yeah. closest people. Yeah. Like I feel like if this were me today that would be immediately where they go to. Right. And that's ultimately what they end up doing because the special ends with them all in that living room set. But yeah, it's right. definitely not, it's not, not text. Well, also, I mean, there's that weird thing in that scene where John Denver's like, but you're part of the great tradition of showbiz. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the tradition of being away from your family. Yeah. Doesn't that light a fire in your heart? Like, that's some that's some employer bullshit. It's very weird. <laughs> that's what a producer says when he doesn't yeah. want to give you time off. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, Chris, why don't you tell us about the song? Yeah. Uh, so the song's called "The Christmas Wish," and it was written by Danny Wheatman, who was a, a member of John Denver's band, and uh, he plays mandolin and harmonica on the John Denver and the Muppets Christmas album. And yeah, I you know what. Adam, I'm I'm with you. This is so close to being what it's trying to be. Yeah. Like it's just a hair, and, and part of it is just like the craft of the lyric. Like the first time I watched this, it just all all of these songs, the ones that aren't the like super famous existing songs, just washed over me like word salad, just sort of like Christmas and lights and together. You're just like, okay. Sure. Yeah, this slipped through my brain three separate times. <laughs> yeah. And now a fourth and fifth time. <laughs> yeah, it's the musical equivalent of castor oil. Let's let's spice things up a little bit. Christmas is coming, y'all. Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat. Please do put the penny in the old man's hat. If you haven't got a penny, a hey penny will do. If you haven't got a hey penny, then God bless you. Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat. Please just put the penny in the old man's hat. If you haven't got a penny, a penny will do. If you haven't got a penny, a penny will do. If you haven't got a penny, a penny will do. If you haven't got a penny, a penny will do. If you haven
so much. Yeah, this is this is one of the legitimate highlights of the special for me. So Christmas is coming. Uh, is number twelve thousand eight hundred and seventeen in the Round Folk Song Index. And I went down a real rabbit hole reading about the origins of this particular song. The text originates from the 1880s, and uh, a couple of different melodies for it appeared a few years later. But it's largely in the modern, and and I say modern, including the the time in which the special was made, uh, zeitgeist, thanks to a recording by the Kingston Trio uh, from 1960, who called it Around About Christmas. (laughs) But yeah, but I, I read a little bit about like goose as a ceremonial dish, and it goes back many centuries. It it really though found its footing in English cel- celebratory feasts uh, in 1588 uh, because Queen Elizabeth I commanded her subjects to eat goose on the occasion of England's victory over the Spanish Armada. Great, yeah, it was apparently like quite fancy at the time. Make law, but okay. This is definitely a song that we sang in elementary school holiday assemblies in in the round without the calypso accompaniment but shout out to beaker and his mad maraca skills right yeah i only know the muppet recording of this if there are other recordings of it i yeah i'm not aware of them and don't want no it's the only recording i know at all sadly the the fun comes to a a screeching halt yet again (laughs) (laughs) this john denver attempts to put us all to sleep it's just a wish Dream I'm told from days when I was young. Merry Christmas, little Zach. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, little Zachary. Merry Christmas. I was just thinking it would be funny if if it turned out that Zachary was like the name of like a like a camel who was at the uh, the birth of Jesus. No, Zachary uh, was the, the name of John Denver's son. Uh, the song was written by John Denver, and it was written. Get out your your bingo dauber for noted Joe Raposo, San Frank Sinatra. Hey. In his version, he he sang Angela, uh, the name of his granddaughter, not Zachary, who is not related to him. Yeah, and. Uh, Apparently, uh, Sinatra and John Denver became good buddies in the 70s and, you know, performed together. And uh, Sinatra recorded several John Denver songs. But, oh, this is such a snooze. This is my least favorite thing in the entire special. Like, there are other things that actively offended me. But this was just so dull. Like, this is the UK spot of the special. It's so boring. boring and it is about nothing. And it's not staged as anything. He's just wandering through the town square alone at night singing to his son who's not there like i oh, i hate it yep i don't dislike it as much as i dislike kermit saying i don't know if you believe in christmas but that's okay <laughs> but yeah i'm not saying i mean i dislike them for different reasons but you know i yeah. i yeah. would rather listen to that song again and listen to this song again mm. well let's cleanse the palate with an actually good song <laughs> yay through the years we all will be together If the fates allow Hang a shining star upon the highest bough And have yourself a merry little prayer 
Yes, this is Adam is shaking his head. This is what the we'll people want. <laughs> I mean, I love it unreservedly. Maybe not this version of the lyrics, but this this sort of thing. Up with this sort of thing. Down with the mm-hmm. sleepy yes, I love sort it of thing. With one reservation, but I'll yeah. let Chrissy tell us about it before <laughs> yeah. I get there. Let's do it. So uh, the song is called "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas," and it uh, is a song from 1943 uh, that was written for the movie "Meet Me in St. Louis" by Hugh Martin and Ralph Blaine for Judy Garland to sing in that movie. That movie is wild. If you have not seen it, there is a whole Halloween sequence in the middle of it where a bunch of children basically unleash the purge on St. Louis. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. And the song has been recorded by many, many people, including the aforementioned noted Joe Raposo, Stan Frank Sinatra. And uh, Frank Sinatra is actually responsible for the thing that Adam's mad about. <laughs> the song is really melancholy and bittersweet in the movie. And Frank Sinatra recorded it with its full original lyrics in 1947. And then, a decade later, decided to record an album called A Jolly Christmas and wanted the song to be jollier. So he went to uh, Hugh Martin and said, can you rewrite the, the lyrics? And so they, there's a line about muddling through that got changed to hang a shining star upon the highest bow, which is generally the version that you hear nowadays. Yeah, I accept that this is... This is like the standard version now. Uh, I in my personal collection, uh, I don't have a lot of Christmas music, but I have Twisted Sisters Christmas album, which you would expect would be they'd be metal through people, <laughs> but they are highest bow people. Uh, sorry, oh. Dee Snyder, I don't buy it. But yeah, I mm. just like dramaturgically speaking, like Ralph is a muddle through guy. Yeah, Jim Henson and John yeah. Denver are highest bow guys. I get it, but like I mm. like Ralph is such a sort of lovable sad sack especially at, at this phase of ralph especially like yeah and i just i, I just it's it i noticed it immediately and this is not a song i know like super well and then like the second i heard it i was like that's not right that's not wrong <laughs> <laughs> but it is lovely i do i do really enjoy this sequence it's really lovely but it would be a lot nicer if it wasn't immediately preceded by a really boring ballad like it's to put two ballads next to each other is just not great. Yeah. I mean, this was a nice palate cleanser after the really boring ballad to be like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. A song I'm going to enjoy. But the energy, it's like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but I thought like just the nature of Rolf is that because he brings that sort of saloon swagger to what he yeah. does like that that helps the energy even though it is also a slow song sure i do think there would have been a commercial in between the like both yeah. in between in between alfie and and kermit song and uh, a boy like you and in between that and this i'm pretty sure that there were there were fades to black Fair. there so yeah so there was a nice moment near the end of this when the camera kind of pulls up and is shooting down from above but i couldn't help but think about how annoying that must have been for the puppeteers because usually when they're doing rolf they're just you know they're kind of kneeling in front of the piano below the frame right and now they had to squish these two full-sized adult human males underneath a piano bench just for the one one. setup though like they didn't have to do the whole number that way no no but but i mean i did look carefully and rolf was moving during that so it wasn't like they just put a dummy in there that's commitment to their craft. So now let's talk about the songs in the toy sequence. Our first song is the song of the, the toy soldiers. And it is 
also from the musical Good Companions. There must have been like a two for one deal happening that week. Oh my lord. That's so much so much companionship. It's also a song about companionship. <laughs> yeah. It's called camaraderie. This sounds like a lost Sherman Brothers song. Like, if Disney yeah. had decided to make a third movie in the, like, Mary Poppins, Ben Noms, and Broomsticks mode, like, this would have been, like, where instead of a soccer team or chimney sweeps, there would have been an army and they would have sung this song. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I get a lot of uh, Consider Yourself from it. Sure, sure. That too. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the little bit of the, the Lionel Bart about it, for sure. Yeah, so then Piggy gets her promised moment in the spotlight, and it's very, very French. It takes forever. I will wait for you for a thousand summers. I will wait for you till you're back beside me. Till I'm touching Yeah, so this is I Will Wait For You from uh, the movie musical The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. That's good old parapluies. Got, gotta love them parapluies. Uh, it uh, has music by Michel Legrand, who we've talked about before. He wrote the music for The Windmills of Your Mind. And uh, yeah, the French lyrics are by Jacques Demy, and uh, the English lyrics are by Norman Gimbel, who we've definitely also talked about, uh, specifically on the Lena Horne episode, because he wrote the lyrics for I've Got a Name. And the English lyrics are the, the boy from Ipanema. Uh So yeah, like we we've talked about most of these guys and bingo players. This was a best song Oscar nominee in 1966. Lost to the shadow of your smile. Hmm. But yeah, huh. and it's yet another song that was covered by Sinatra. So just we're we're bingoing all over. As much as I regret the time that I spent watching the movie The Umbrellas of Sherbrooke. <laughs> I love <laughs> because- that movie. Somebody told me it was his favorite movie and it's showing at the Metrograph and you must see it. So I went to the Metrograph and watched it and spent a lot of that time saying, what? Why? And maybe if I had seen a synopsis of the plot beforehand, I I would have felt better about it. But I was confused and disappointed for a lot of it. I feel like it's a movie that people who love it, love it for the vibe, not for the story. Like It it is beautiful colors and beautiful music. It is. uh some stupid ass love story who fucking cares it's well it made me angry because i was expecting a better story and as much as i regret the time i put into watching it i don't regret re-watching the clip that includes this song so that i can appreciate miss piggy's over-the-top performance of this particular piece i also love that they started this it wasn't in the clip but they they started this song out with a like a fake out snippet of la vie en rose just so they're like, mm-hmm. by the way, we're going to get real French. Hooray, <laughs> 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 motherfucker. Get your breath. Yeah. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Uh, I yep. was very confused about who the toy soldiers are fighting. 
Because the mean, Toy Soldiers, whatever, they, they shall return. Rats? That's all you need to know. Is it, isn't that what Toy Soldiers I believe in the Nutcracker they do fight rats, yes. But I, I am not an expert, so if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But uh, they seem to be outside. Like, she is watching out of, at a, a window for her love to return. We do hear, like, the sounds of gunfire and explosions. <laughs> this is very strange. Perhaps they're fighting the Germans. Perhaps. All right, well, it sounds like we need some peace around here. The hope that has slumbered for 2,000 years A promise that silenced a thousand fears A faith that can hobble an ocean of tears The peace of Christmas Day The branch that bears the bright holly The dove that rests Crimes against Scansion. So if there's one thing Christianity did, it's end war. <laughs> it's a folk song. You know it's a folk song because they get away with saying Holly. <laughs> you know it's a folk song because you ain't heard no horses sing it. <laughs> so this is Uncle Peace Carol. Uh, it was written by a guy named Robert Beers, uh, also known variously as Bob Beers and Fiddler Beers. Uh, he was good. the patriarch of the folk singing Beers family. And the host of the uh, Fox Hollow Music Festival in Petersburg, New York. And sadly, he died in 1972. So he did not live to see his song sung by Muppets. Apparently, this has become something of a Christmas standard, at least if you believe. Where? Um, <laughs> it, among, among like junior high choruses. Because okay. if you Google this song, you find a million like SAB and SATB arrangements for sale. And they all talk about how this is become a beloved Christmas standard since the Muppets did it. Sure. I, I'll Maybe take the word for it. Maybe it fills a specific need of just That's saying Christmas. Christmas. But not, it's not a holiday or winter song. It is a Christmas song, but it's not a Jesus song. Yeah. Yeah. This is the type of thing we would have sung about my school. I had never heard this before in my life. Uh, I mean, I guess I did, but I don't remember it. <laughs> and it's also like not a terribly challenging song to sing. So it's a good thing for middle schoolers. Right. This number is back in the living room, sitting on the couch. And I can't explain it exactly, but Miss Piggy looks like Mama Cass to me in the outfit <laughs> and the way she is positioned on the couch. It's just like a very 70s, like, moo-moo-style dress. And she's got her hair kind of down. And... and Scooter's sweater is amazing. And he is, like, so definitely, like, the gay child who is performing for his family on Christmas Eve. Like, it's... Because he literally, like, everyone's on a couch and he is facing them. And, like, Robin's sitting on a little ottoman next to him. It's spectacular. I, I don't like the song, but the, the the design and the composition of this is great. And I would actually wear that sweater right now if I could get it in my size. <laughs> so onward from the not-quite-Jesus stuff into the Jesus stuff? Yes. Uh, and we won't go into any detail, but during the whole nativity sequence, we hear a little bit of O Little Town of Bethlehem, the first Noel, We Three Kings, Enjoy to the World. Look them up. Some of those are instrumental. Some of them are sung by uh, a chorus, which is what Ray Charles did best. Arrange sort of like choruses of white people sounding very white. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's the other Ray Charles. That's a- <laughs> All right. So uh, we, we got to rip a Band-Aid off. We, we are going to talk a, t- a tiny bit about uh, a, a traditional Christmas song, but uh, let's, let's let them uh, explain it for us a little bit. <laughs> John Denver's about to do your job, Christy, and I was mad about this too. Amen. 
schlaf in himmlischer Ruhe. On December 24th, 1818, Joseph Moore, the curate of a small parish in Oberndorf, Austria, gave a poem that he had written to a friend of his, Franz Gruber, who was also the organist and the choir director in that church. He asked Mr. Gruber if he would write music for his poem, and that he might write it for two solo voices and guitar accompaniment, because the organ being broken, he desperately wanted music to be part of their Christmas Eve service. Mr. Gruber wrote the music to a song that has become the most beloved of all Christmas carols, Stille Nacht, in English, Silent Night. Schlaf in himmlische Ruhe. Sleep in heavenly peace. So much so so much to unpack there well first of all when, when it starts out it, it reminds me of that that speech in, in hedwig uh in the middle of tear me down about the berlin wall um, <laughs> but then we get to uh franz gruber not hans gruber um we all heard hans gruber oh, 100%. absolutely yeah especially in the youtube version you know, like, i've never yeah. seen die hard <gasps> Uh-huh. Okay, you watch Die Hard, I'll watch can... The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. <laughs> now you can weigh in on whether it's a Christmas movie based on the Hans and Franz of it. It's definitely a Christmas movie. Now we know. Weirdly, my strongest associations with this song are Barbara Streisand using it as the closer to a happening in Central Park and Simon and Garfunkel using it as a political statement, neither of which is particularly Christmassy. So uh, even though this is in many ways like the most Christmassy of Christmas songs, like also has other uses. Yeah. I also know it because of Simon and Garfunkel. So I, well, I know it because it exists. I exist in the world, uh, in a a majority Christian country, but actually like it, it, I think it's pretty common to hear it like just the first verse or two and not the part where they actually say things like Christ, our savior is born. Right. So in elementary school, we did not sing anything that was explicitly religious in the holiday assembly, except apparently if it was not in English, and therefore nobody would notice. So you got to sound like Nazi youth. Yeah. Even at the time, like even as an 11 or 12 year old, I was like, this is weird. This doesn't feel right. I'm not like offended per se, but it doesn't really feel correct. And like my last name is very German. It's fine. But like, I I don't know. And then so hearing this, I was like, why the fuck are you saying it in German? I know it's German. I know. I don't know that story. But like, I know it is originally in German song. But why is John Denver saying it in German on network television in 1979 with the Muppets? It's really weird. But I did know all the words. So a lot of people who grow up singing Christmas carols, like particularly in like church settings, like learn this and also uh, like Otanenbaum in German. I just think that it's like, I don't think it's that unusual. Yeah, I guess. I think it was just the Muppets singing it in German. I don't know. It just like, I mean, my, my jaw fully <laughs> dropped the first time I watched this. Like, it it's also really... just like, and I, I like the sound of the German language generally, but it sounds better in English. I'm sorry. It just it yeah. sounds much sweeter in English. And Adam, you you pointed out in our Slack that this it has real tomorrow belongs to me vibes. Well, yeah. So then we should also and actually and this this fully got me. Like so so when it switches, when he stops talking and it switches to the English, um, the camera pulls back to reveal the set in the studio. And watching them are, I don't know, a hundred. People, most of them are small children, which you heard at the end of the clip. In like fancy Christmas dresses. Yeah. And so I, 
I will admit this got me because I really love show business and I really love that they were like, <laughs> it's a set on a soundstage and here are, they never explained who they are. I'm assuming family of the crew, but who the hell knows? Where oh, I assume they were cast. Yeah. The way that like Sesame Street kids get. Right. Cast. I have no idea who these children were, but like it did get me. And then the children are singing the song and I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is a little creepy and weird. And like in their 1979 really Christmas finest dresses. Christmas clothes, which was, yeah. It was, uh. <sighs> It just left the the writer and me with just like continuity questions of like, were the kids there the whole time? Were they bored? I mean, they were bored. You could see they were bored. Like, oh, were they watching? Like, yeah, throwing herself at John Denver. How much of this have they seen? No, because that was that was during the week leading up to. They've only broadcast. seen the pageant I... bit, and I'll wait for you. Right, right. A little war drama. I did also getting to see the set. Right, you can see the whole set is raised, and you know there's a couch in the scene, so mostly the puppeteers are, I think, inside the furniture. But I, I imagine they were actually standing up because of the way the the whole set is off the floor. It's just like that little detail I thought was was a nice thing to get that behind the scenes peek, and I would have frankly liked more of that throughout the special. And then we we end with "We wish you Merry Christmas" over the credits. Look it up; it's famous. <laughs> <laughs> Do some freaking homework, people. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Uncle Kermit. Oh, thanks, Robin. Merry Christmas, Piggy. Merry Christmas, Kermit. Merry Christmas, Jonathan. Merry Christmas, you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Muppeturgy. Gamble on us in two weeks for our discussion of the Kenny Rogers episode. You can find us on social media at Muppeturgy or on the web at Muppeturgy.com. Buy our merch at muppeturgy.com slash store. Our theme music was composed and performed by Christy Bauer. Our show logo was created by Todd Brian Backus. And this episode was edited by me, David Lynn. This has inspired me to maybe attempt a goose this year. Is that a thing that people can do? Yeah, you can eat goose. I mean, I didn't know you could just like... Get, unless you're going to go find well, one. You don't go park. to the park and kill it yourself. <laughs> no, <laughs> you go to the butcher and you say, I would like to order a Christmas goose. I didn't know that was a thing you could do. Sure. I thought it was just a thing they do in the song.